Hi, I'm Abigail, and today we're reading the Wednesday Wards. This is Readings Abigail. We'll start on chapter one. Here we go. September. Of all the kids in the seventh grade at Camilo Junior High, there was one kid that Miss Baker hated with heat whiter than the sun. Me. And let me tell you, it wasn't for anything I'd done. If it had been Doug Swedek that Mrs. Baker hated, it wouldn't have made sense. Doug Swedek once made up a list of 410 ways to get a teacher to hate you. It began with spray deodorant in all her desk drawers and got worse as it went along. A whole lot worse. I think that things beca- became legal around November 167. You don't want to know what number 400 was, and you really don't want to know what number 410 was. But I'll tell you this much. They were the kinds of things that sent kids to juvenile detention homes in upstate New York so so far away that you never saw them again. Doug Swedek tried number six on Mrs. Sidman um, last year. It was something about Wrigley gum in the teacher's water fountain, which was just outside the teacher's lounge, and the Polynesian fruit blend hair coloring that Mrs. Sidman used. It worked, and streams of juice, the color of mango, stained her face for the rest of the day, and next day, and next day, until, I suppose, those skin cells wore off. Doug Swedek was suspended for two whole weeks. Just before he left, he said that next year he was going to try number 166 to see how much time that would get him. The, ne- the day before Doug Swedek came back, our principal reported during morning announcements that Mrs. Sidman had accepted volun- voluntary reassignment to the May Administrative Office. We were all supposed to congratulate her on her new post. But it was hard to congratulate her because she almost never peeked out of the administrative office. Even when she had to be the playground monitor at recess, she mostly kept away from us. If you did get close, she'd whip out a plastic rain hat and pull it on. It's hard to congratulate someone who's holding a plastic rain hat over her Polynesian fruit blend colored hair. See, that's the kind of stuff that gets teachers to hate you. But the thing was, I never did any of that stuff. Never. I even stayed as far away from Doug Swedek as I could. So if he did decide to try number 166 or anyone, I wouldn't get mine for standing nearby. But it didn't matter. Mrs. Baker hated me. She hated me a whole lot worse than Mrs. Sidman hated Doug Sweetduck. I know, and I knew it on Monday, the first day of seventh grade, when she called the class roll, which 
told you not only who was in the class, but also where everyone lived. If your last name ended at Berg or Zog or Steen, you lived on the north side. If your last name ended in Ellie or Eni or O, you lived on the south side. We have a cut right between them, and if you walked out of Camilo Junior High and followed Lee Avenue across Main Street, past McLean's Drugstore, Goldman's Best Bakery, and the 5 and 10 Cent Store, through another block and past the Free Public Library, and down one more block, you'd come to my house, which my father had figured out was right smack in the middle of town. Not on the north side, not on the south side, just somewhere in between. It's the perfect house, he said. But perfect or not, it was hard living in between. On Saturday morning, everyone north of us was at Temple Bethel. Late on Saturday afternoon, everyone south of us was at Mass St. Adalbert's, which had gone modern and figured that it didn't need to wake parishioners up early. But on Sunday morning, early, my family was at St. Andrew Presbyterian Church listening to Pastor McLean, who was old enough to have known Moses. This meant that out of the whole weekend, there was only there was only Sunday afternoon left over for, left over for full baseball teams. This hadn't been too much of a da- disaster until until up until now. But last summer, Ben Cummings moved to Connecticut so his father could work in Groton, and Ian McAllister moved to Biloxi so his father could be a chair plan. Um, at the base there instead of the pastor at St. Andrews, which is why we ended up with Pastor McLean, who could have called Isaiah a personal friend, too. So being a a Presbyterian was not a disaster, especially on Wednesday afternoons when, at 1.45 sharp, Half of my class went to Hebrew school at Temple Bethel, and at 1.55, the other half went to Catechism at St. Adalbert's. This left just the Presbyterians, of which there, of which there had been three, and there was now one, me. I think Mrs. Baker suspected this when she came to my name on the class roll. Her voice got kind of crackly, like there was a sick code and the static underneath it. Hauling hood hood, she said. Here, I raise my hand. Hood hood. Yes, Mrs. Baker sat on the edge of her desk. This should have sent me some kind of message. Since teachers aren't supposed to sit on the edge of their desks on the first day of classes. That there's a rule about that. Hood hood, she said quietly. She thought for a moment. Does your family attend Temple Beth L? She said, I shook my head. 
St. Albert's then? She asked this kind of hopefully. I shook my head again. So on Wednesday afternoons, you attend neither Hebrew school nor catechism. I nodded. You're here with me, I guess, I said. Mrs. Baker looked hard at me. I think she rolled her eyes. Since the mutilation of guests into an intrusive verb is a crime against the language, perhaps you might wish a full sentence to avoid prosecution, something such as, I guess that Wednesday afternoons will be busy after all. That's when I knew she hated me. This look came over her face like the sun had winked out and was not going to shine again until next June. And probably that's the same look that came over my face since I felt the way you feel just before you throw up, cold and sweaty at the same time, and your stomach's doing things that stomachs are supposed to do, and you're wishing, you're really wishing that the ham and cheese and broccoli omelet omelet that your mother made for you the first day of school had been Cheerios like you really wanted because they come up a lot whole lot easier and not yellow. If Miss Baker was feeling like she was going to throw up too, she didn't show it. This was the first she she, she looked down at the class roll. May see Huang she called. She looked up to find May Thai's raised hand and nodded. But before she looked down, Mrs. Baker looked at me again, and this time her eyes really did roll. Then she looked down again at her list. Daniel Humphrey, she called, and she looked up to find Danny's raised hand, and then she turned to look at me again. Marilyn Kowalski. She, she called. She found Lee's hand and looked at me again. She did this every time she looked up to find somebody's hand. She was watching me because she hated my guts. I walked back to the perfect house slowly that afternoon. I could always tell when I got there without looking up because the sidewalk changed. Suddenly, all the cement squares were perfectly white, and none of them had a single crack. Not one. This was also true of the cement squares of the walkway leading up to the perfect house, which were bordered perf perfectly matching azalea bushes, all the same height, alternating between pink and white blossoms. The cement squares and azaleas stop stopped at the perfect stoop, three steps like every other stoop on the block. And when you're up to the two-story colonial with two windows on each side and two dormers on the second floor, it was like every other house on the block except neater because my father had it painted perfectly white every other year except for the fake aluminum shutters, which were black, and the aluminum screen door which gleamed dully and never, ever squeaked when you opened it. Inside, I dropped my books on the stairs. Mom, I called. I thought about getting something to eat, a Twinkie, maybe. Then chocolate milk that had more chocolate than milk. And then another Twinkie. After all that sugar, 
great idea to come up with something on how to live with Mrs. Baker for nine months. Either that or I wouldn't care anymore. Mom, I called again. I walked past the perfect living room where no one ever sat because all the seat cushions were covered in stiff, clear plastic. You could walk in there and think that everyone was for sale. It was so perfect. The, par the carpet looked like it had never been walked on, which it almost hadn't, and the baby gr grand by the window looked like it had never been played, which it hadn't, since none of us could. But if anything, or, or but if anyone had ever walked in and and planked a key or sniffed the artificial tropical flowers or strained a tie in the gleaming mirror, they sure would have been impressed at the perfect life of an architect from Hood Hood and Associates. My mother was in the kitchen, fanning air out the open window, putting us. Putting out a cigarette because I wasn't supposed to know, to know that she smoked. Because if I didn't know, I wasn't supposed to say anything, and I really wasn't supposed to tell my father. And that's when it really came to me, even before the Twinkie. I needed to have an alley in the war against Mrs. Baker. How was your first day? My mother said. Mom, I said, Mrs. Baker hates my guts. Mrs. Baker doesn't hear guts. She stopped fanning and closed my window. Yes, she does. Mrs. Baker hardly knows you. Mom, it's not like you have to know someone well to hate their guts. You don't sit around and have a long conversation and decide whether or not to hate your guts. They, you just do. Um. Um. You just do. And she does. I'm sure that Mrs. Baker is a fine person, and she certainly does not hate your guts. How do parents get to where they can say things like this? There must be some gene that switches on, on at birth of the firstborn child, and suddenly stuff like this, stuff like that starts to come out of their mouths. It's like they haven't figured out that the language you're using is English, and they should be able to understand what you're saying. Instead, you pull a string on them, and a bad record plays. Guess they can't help it. Right after supper, I went to the dental for my for a new alley. Dad, Mrs. Baker hates my guts. Can you see that television is on and I'm watching Walter Cronkite? He said, we listened to Wal Walter Cronkite report on the new casualty figures from Vietnam and how the air war was being widened and how two new brigades of the um of the first airborne division were being sent over until CBS finally threw in a commercial. Dad, Mrs. Baker hates my guts. What did you do? I didn't do anything. She just hates my guts. People don't just hate your guts unless you do something to them. So what did you do? Nothing. This is Betty Baker, right? I guess. The baby baker who belongs to the baker family? See what I mean about that gene thing? They missed the entire point of what you're saying. I guess she belongs to the baker family, I, I said. The baker family that owns the baker sporting emporium? Dad, she hates my guts. The baker sporting emporium, which is about to choose 
an architect for its new building, and which is considering Hood Hood and Associates among its top three to- choices. Dad, so Holland, what did you do that might make Mrs. Baker hate your guts, which will make other Baker family members hate the name of Hood Hood, which will lead the Baker's sporting employer to choose another architect, which will kill the deal for Hood Hood and Associates, which will drive us into bankruptcy, which will encourage several lending institutions around the state to to send representatives to our front step holding papers that have lots of legal words on them, none of them good, and which will mean that there will be no hood and associates for you to take over when I'm when I'm ready to retire. Even though there wasn't much left of the ham and cheese and broccoli omelet, it's it started to want to come up again. I guess things aren't so bad, I said. Keep them that way, he said. This wasn't exactly what I had hoped for Aaron Alley. It was only my sister left. To ask your big sister to be your Alley is like asking Nova Scotia to go into battle with you. But I knocked on her door anyway, loudly, since the monk- since monkeys complained. She pulled it open and said their hands on her hips. Her lipstick was the color of a new fire engine. Mrs. Baker hates my guts, I told her. So do I, she said. I could use some help with this. Ask Mom. She says that Mrs. Baker doesn't hate my guts. Ask Dad. Silence. If you call it silence when the monkeys are playing. Silence. If you call it silence when the monkeys are playing. Oh, she said. It might hurt a business deal, right? So he won't help the son who is going into inherent hood, hood and associates. What am I supposed to do? If I were you, I'd head to California, she said. Try again. She leaned against her door. Mrs. Baker hates your guts, right? I nodded. Then, Holling, you might try getting some. And close the door. That night, I read Treasure Island again. I don't want to brag, but I read Treasure Island four times, it kidnapped twice, and the Black Arrow twice. I even read Ivanhoe halfway through before I gave up, since I started the call of the wild, and it was a whole lot better. I skipped the part where Jim Hawkins is stealing the Hispaniola, and he's up on the mast in Israel hands is grabbing, is climbing toward him, clutching a dagger. Even so, Jim's in pretty good shape, since he's got two pistols against a single dagger, and and Israel hands seems about to give in. I'll have to strike, which comes hard, he says. I suppose, I suppose he hates Jim's guts right at that moment. And Jim smiles, since he knows he's got him. That's guts. But then Israel hands throws the dagger, and it's just dumb luck that's, that saves Jim. And I didn't want to count on just dumb luck. Okay, next episode, we'll have to finish this chapter. But tune in tomorrow for another episode of... Reading with Abigail. Bye.